This is a Retail Insider Podcast. You're listening to a special edition. Welcome to the Retail Insider Podcast. I'm Craig Patterson, and we're joined here today with two fashionable women. We're going to be talking about retail and fashion. We've got Anjali Patel and Gurpreet Kaur Alawalia. Welcome, both of you. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. So now the both of you are friends. I've seen you both at fashion events in Toronto, both very, very well dressed, I must say. Um, how did you both meet and how long have you known each other? Been about six years. Correct me if I'm wrong, Anjali. Yeah. Um, we met at Holt Renfrew, ironically. And I was working there as a marketing coordinator. We had launched the boys from public school. And in honor of the launch, we had a party and I met Anjali at the party. Um where she made a very funny comment to me. That's just between the two of us. Um, <laughs> and to make up for that comment, because I was a little confused by it, um, we had lunch at the cafe, the Holtz Cafe, a few weeks later. And it was like, it was like a blind date going really well. We hit yeah. it off immediately. Um, and, and the yeah. rest, as they say, is history. And I should add that it sounds very dire what I said to her, but I, I can assure you it was very complimentary. Um, <laughs> Although it did catch her off guard. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm curious, but I won't ask. <laughs> oh my goodness. Now, and so the both of you, there's a bit of an announcement. You're going to be stylist at Holt Renfrew. I should ask the, at, at Holt Renfrew, I should ask the question, um, with successful careers, both of you, we'll get into that in a second. What made you join Holt Renfrew as personal style consultants? Well, I mean, like you, Craig, you know, I've, I'm a lawyer and I've spent my entire career helping independent designers navigate the law. You know, so for me, uh, joining Hold Renfrew as a personal style consultant is an opportunity to advocate for designers I love in a completely different way. Um, you know, I'm really excited about the opportunity. Yeah, I think for me, it was really oh. the opportunity to work together. I worked in fashion in Canada for a few years um, and now I'm in corporate communication. So it was also the the chance to kind of work with tangible fashion again. Uh, and what we're really tasked with is um, the South Asian clientele, which is really near and dear to our hearts and the opportunity to work with them um, and also advocate for South Asian designers as well. Yeah, yeah. And um, now, um, Gurpreet, you, you do have a communications background, whatnot, marketing, different companies, whatnot. Uh, and you were also, I think, uh, named one of Canada's best dressed people uh, in the Globe and Mail. I think it was 2019. Yes, my claim to fame. Um, yeah, it was exciting. It was humbling um, and just really surprising. Uh, and it was a lot of fun. Um, prior to that, I was, I actually started my fashion career in Toronto at, at Holt Renfrew. Um, before that, I went to Parsons School of Fashion for fashion marketing in New York, did a number of internships. and. Um, some that I would like to mention, others not, since uh, I think it's a time where like designers do crazy, inappropriate things. And it's just kind of like, why did I ever work for them? Um, but yeah, I have Bergdorf's, um, a small denim company called PRPS. I think that has since been sold to the LA denim gods. And uh, totally forgetting here. But oh, Ali Tahari, when Ali Tahari was, was a thing. Uh, and then I came back to Toronto. Um, Started working with Shane Stevens at uh, Holt Renfrew in the marketing coordinator position where I met Anjali. And then he got poached by SAC. So it's funny, we were at, at Holt Renfrew kind of creating the, co the, comp the competitive strategy for the SACS launch. He ends up getting poached by SACS. And then two months later, I jumped ship too. 
Um, and we launched Saks in Canada, which was the, it was the most exhilarating process, but I think it aged us by a decade. Um, and we wouldn't probably change it for the world. It was like, it was amazing. So, and now I'm in, I am in, um, communications at a financial, um, which is a different world, but as you all know, um, marketing and communications are pretty standard across the board. It's just a different product, a different pitch. Can I mention, oh, I never knew that you worked for PRPS. I think that's super cool. And that was my your, first internship. I didn't know that in, in yeah. your best dress feature, you wore those incredible. It was my PRPS homage. Yeah. I love those. And I never knew that. I, yeah. I my mentor was uh, a vet veteran from Diesel. Nice. And she, um, I think, has since gone to other uh, denim brands, but she was kind of like the denim PR god. Um, and I remember hearing samples like to Condé Nast, to Harper's Bazaar, um, and like including being at Grand Central Station with like these big garment bags wow. um, and very cute bankers coming to help me, coming to my rescue. Amazing. Oh my goodness. And now, Angela, you and your um, husband, um, Perrambeer, were both models in the Holt Renfrew campaign. It was, I don't remember what year it was. It was a few it was, years ago. Can you believe uh, it was fall 15? Fall 2015. Oh, geez. I, don't I know. I know. It, it, it doesn't seem like long ago, but it was actually quite long ago. Uh, I remember when they approached us about that. It was really, um, it was really such a nice compliment because I remember they told us that they went around the fashion office and they were just sort of, informally polling everybody who works in the whole fashion office. Can you think of any couples, you know, who have great style? And they told us that, you know, unanimously they went around the office and everybody named us. And I just thought, wow, that's such a nice, it really meant a lot to be sort of, um, you know, just informally honored by uh, our peers, you know? So it was a really nice moment for us. And it was an incredible day. Um, and it's really the photo that was taken and all the content that came out of that, there was one um, kind of a, a very vanity fair style group photograph, um, you know, kind of has all of those elements. It's black and white. Uh, Judith Maria Bradley, who's really gone on to great fame. I have to say is, uh, you know, she's on a, on a ladder hanging off a ladder and, you know, and everybody else is sort of variously seated. And uh, I believe it was 14 uh, just sort of community members, uh, including my husband and I, and uh, two sales associates. And it was the first time that Bolt Renfrew has ever, ever featured non-models in a campaign. And that has, of course, gone on to, uh, you know, to be part of their um, marketing plan, I would say, because they, they now feature lots and lots of people from the community, which is wonderful. So, yeah. Yeah, and you're also an intellectual property lawyer. You're from Calgary originally, or at least went to school in yeah, Calgary, we both, I say, so. and I both have that kind of Alberta collect, uh, connection. You know, I went to law school at the University of Calgary, so, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and yeah, you've got your own firm, and um, you're also doing some other work as well, uh, from uh, Ryerson to Fashion, or um, about a shoe museum. Tell me a little bit yeah, about sure. that as well. Yeah, um, sure. So I have been a board member at Bata Shoe Museum since March of last year, so... Uh, you know, with everything that has transpired over the last year, it's a really interesting time to uh, join the board of a cultural institution and help them navigate, um, you know, the many aspects of, of operating a cultural space uh, over the past year during the pandemic. And um, 
Last year, I also developed and taught um, a fashion law course for Ryerson's um, MA Fashion uh, graduate degree program. And so as far as I know, that is the first course of its kind in Canada. So yeah, it's interesting. Uh, interesting to, to think about opportunities that come in a year that, you know, has been uh, just so unprecedented in so many ways. So really, really happy to take, oh, those, take those things on. Oh, and, and fashion magazine, I think as well. Yeah. So I've been uh, just sort of informally a contributor there for um, as long as uh, Bernadette Mora has been um, editor in chief. She rejoined the magazine uh, in recent years. So with her tenure, mine began as well. Wow. <laughs> terrific. Terrific. Let's talk a little bit about your fashion style. We'll go through that quickly here. We'll start with um, Gurpreet. I've seen you at events because I will remember when we used to go to events <laughs> before the pandemic. <laughs> but, uh, you know, very, very well dressed, very unique style. Tell me a little bit. Actually, about Actually, Emily has a funny, funny saying about me. So I will let her start. <laughs> Gurpreet <laughs> exited the womb in a white shirt. You know, like there, I, I, I feel like that sums sums up an aspect, a very identifiable and, and signature aspect of her style quite well. If we're talking about signature style, I think Anjali has worn a gray t-shirt to more than one gala in Toronto. So guilty as charged. That's that's true. I mean I'm I'm wearing, <laughs> although you can't see me, I am wearing my staple gray t-shirt today, in fact. And it really has taken me from the high to the low to the in-between, that's for sure. So <laughs> Back to your oh, question, amazing. Craig. Um, I'm in a middle of the list um, in the sense that I like pieces that have longevity to them, but I also love to layer. Um, today's probably the worst day to talk about layering because I think it's like 35 degrees outside right now. Um, <laughs> I love to layer. I love the white collared shirt, as Anjali mentioned. I love to borrow from menswear as well. Um, I often joke that my collarbones never see the sun. As you can tell today, I'm also wearing a crew neck. Um, and I love to incorporate, I think you, when you referenced my, um, my photo with Globe and Mail for the, for Canada's Best Dressed, I, one of my goals behind that image, and Anjali knows because I, um, victimized her and looking at all my different outfits, um, no. prior to the shoot. um, but I really wanted to incorporate my South Asian culture into the photo. Um, and you know, I think there are so many brilliant, um, Indian designers that are both ethnic and non-ethnic. Um, that do so many amazing things with different fabrications. Um, and so the designer that I wore with that outfit um, was Sabiasachi. And he, I have outfits from him that incorporate different types of silk, different types of cottons within one outfit, which is unheard of for Indian clothes. Um, so yeah, so minimalist, but I love to incorporate different aspects of my identity um, into, into my Gurpreet is so great at that. And can I just also say, I just really, it cannot be understated. Gurpreet is so great. She's always made space for me. She knew how much I, she, far from terrorizing me or victimizing me, she said, by, you know, having me look at all of her outfits, she knew that I would take so much joy in that. And I did. I was so, so excited for her. Gurpreet also brought me on board, um, you know, as a personal style consultant alongside her in this role. Like I... Am forever grateful for her for always holding the door open for me and letting me hitch my caboose to her. So I wouldn't do this without you. So <laughs> this feeling is mutual. Selfish, as you said, selfish as it is selfless. So I, right. It's exactly that. As, and as you said before, you know, it was really the opportunity to work together was 
the deciding factor without a doubt. So, yeah. And will you both be at the Blur Street store for Holt Redford? Well, you know, that's one of the great things about this role is that it's very autonomous um, and it it is often remote work, um, but we are are really able to work out of out of any of the locations. Um, I think Gurpreet, you know, she can elaborate on this a little bit more. She is kind of the, the stalwart having worked at Holt's before. Yeah, so it, this is our, our roles are kind of the first of their kind. Um, and I worked in on the retail floor at Holt Run while I was in school. I'm doing my undergrad at York. Um, and my manager, Shawnee, was kind of my Holt's mom. And so she reached out to me back in February and said, hey, you know, I have this idea for you. Um, and that's how I got into the conversation with Anjali because I know Anjali is incredible with business planning. And as we were kind of creating this business plan or f- formulating our thought process on it, um, we c- were both kind of like, well, how great would this be if we did it together? Um, and so I think Shawnee, you know, has been at every location except for Yorkdale, I think, within the GTA for Holtz. Um, she was at Bloor with me then. She's been at Shareway. And then she moved, um, moved the store from Shareway to Square One. And when I mentioned that I was working on the competition strategy for Saks while I was at Holtz, I was also working with her on the South Asian strategy before I left. Um, so she came back and she, you know, and I'm really, as a South Asian, I'm really appreciative of the fact that she does want to incorporate this community in her, in her strategizing um, for that store. So there is a focus on the Square One store to drive traffic. And that's solely because the demographic lives within that area. Um, within the Peel region and Halton primarily. So uh, long story short, we do directly report to her. She is out of the square one store, but because we're remote, we could, we could technically meet clients in Vancouver at the Vancouver store. Um, Mm. So it's really, it's really up to us. Oh, excellent. Holy cow. And that gorgeous Montreal store, they just finished this whole rent for, well, I guess it celebrated a year since it opened, I think all floors, the whole rent for Ogilvy in Montreal. I can't wait to go, see it as it's been completed i was there before same i can't wait to see it and i mean on that note i mean the square one space is stunning you know it's uh it is also one of the most recently uh renovated properties um kind of in the in the whole run through uh um older you know so and it's it's a beautiful beautiful space Oh, it's stunning. Yeah. I mean, we're gonna have to profile it. The, the, the ceiling heights alone, the marble, it's just, it's a piece of artwork. I went to the opening and I was just blown away. I was like, oh my God, this is, this is not like, you know, an Neiman Mark, <clears throat> excuse me, like a Neiman Marcus store, you know, it, it's, it's much edgier, you know, it, it's, it's very different. Uh, it's not your traditional type of store. Right. So, and uh, let's talk a little bit about retail here um, in terms of uh, trends you're seeing uh, in Toronto and Canada right now. Uh, I know it's a little weird time during the pandemic, but uh, you know, we, I guess we can talk a little bit before the pandemic in terms of what we're seeing in fashion and maybe what we're going to forecast to see as we come out of this, hopefully sooner yeah. than later. Um, I've certainly spent a lot of time, you know, every so often, uh, either Vogue or Business of Fashion will do a roundup and, you know, they'll interview different retailers on what, what people are buying right now. And, and definitely the answers have been surprising. Um, for example, one trend that we're seeing is the sale of handbags has been incredible uh, in, in a year where, you know, nobody has anywhere to go. That's really surprising to, to learn that. Um, I think another category that's done really well has been fine jewelry. Um, and I think between fine jewelry and I think also with, um, with handbags from kind of 
the the European fashion houses, it does make sense. You know, people are are thinking about sort of parking their money or or spending um, on incredibly special items or items that they feel will stand the test of time or alternatively have great resale value. Um, and, and so I think that's really where a lot of the thinking is um, from the consumer side. And that kind of explains the, the gravitation towards um, top tier handbags and, and fine jewelry as well. And I wonder if we'll be dressing up more. Uh, you know, uh, people have been wearing fairly casual mm-hmm. clothes, including myself, for quite a while now. Um, I, I've heard some people predict a return to even, say, almost formal wear, I guess you would say. People dressing up significantly more, perhaps, than they would have even before the pandemic, when you could walk down Blur Street and a lot of the windows had, you know, Givenchy right. sweatshirts and Valentino sneakers and, you know, things that you wouldn't have expected, I guess, traditionally from those types of designers we're talking about. Yeah, it's interesting because I think about, you know, my career in law and sort of where fashion is at right now, where my head's at. And I think I've never had more of a desire to wear a suit than now. And, you know, much like the consumers gravitating towards handbags and fine jewelry, it almost makes no sense to me. But I think suiting has, has like a lot of ready to wear uh, sort of adapted to the time and become very, very relaxed um, and and very easy to wear in in many ways. So uh, I think that is what's sort of fueling the desire uh, for me personally. Yeah. I also think handbags and fine jewelry stand the test of time. So Mm -hmm. I think, you know, if you're sitting at home and you don't know when this pandemic is going to end, um, buy a handbag. I mean, they have the best resale value when you go to consignment and fine jewelry, it's not going to go anywhere. Um, you know, we're working, we're talking about going back to the office and our plans. And I don't think any major corporation or institution is going to go back to five days a week. Mm-hmm. Um, we're looking at a, either your full time from home or your, you know, two days at the office, three days at the office. And I think those two or three days at the office are really going to become an event. Um, at least they are for me. Like I have, I've purchased Sandro dresses in the past thinking I'm going to wear this to the office. And when the time actually comes, I'm like, oh, do I really want to wear this dress? And, you know, am I going to look too dressed up? But I think now it's going to be an occasion, you know? And I think a lot of, I think the tech world has already, was already kind of planning on going from a remote working um, kind of strategy prior to the pandemic or structure rather. And now, and then just having like collaborative meetings in, in, um, in office spaces and that's kind of the shift we're seeing too. Like if I'm going to work on a Tuesday and Thursday, those are my meeting days. That's when I meet everyone in person. And yeah, I want to be dressed to the nines for that. I want to, you know, if I'm wearing, if I'm still wearing gray t-shirt and linen pants, the other three days of the week, I, I want to dress up for the, you know, the two days that I do go in. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Now let's talk about a bit about Canadian fashion. Um, this is something that uh, you know many are, are looking at right now, looking to support. Uh, um, and we'll also talk about diversity in fashion. But we'll talk a bit about Canadian fashion designers quickly here as well. Um, tell me a little bit about uh, what, what you're seeing around that. I mean, we've seen Greta Constantine come up with you know just these incredible designs. I'm kind of blown away. I've been going through the Instagram lately, and I'm just like, wow. You know, this brand could be, I'm sure, much bigger than it they is right now. They had such a phenomenal year. Wow. I'm so, so proud of them. They've worked, you know, for so long, you know, more than two decades, I think, to get to this point. You know, I, I think that really, that almost sums up like what an, what we, what an overnight success is. It really does take that much time. Um, you know, I mean, I think like many, many Canadian brands, um, thinking about my experience over the past year, 
or a little more than a year now, um, you know, I think at the beginning of the pandemic, there were just lots of questions around um, CERB and employment law and um, in that sort of evolved to mask making and questions around that. And I think that's kind of, we think about the evolution in the past year, that's where a lot of um, local designers started. They started producing masks. Certainly Greta Constantine's have been beautiful, um, much like they're just, much like they're ready to wear. And um, I think there's been a lot of learning for, uh, for any independent designer, whether Toronto or based or elsewhere over the last year, certainly a lot of them, the pandemic was kind of the push that got a lot of designers online um, and really selling direct to consumer through their own website or through an Instagram shop. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's, these are often uh, painful and maybe almost vertical learning curves, um, you know, but in retrospect, I think they are, they're good moves for, um, for independent businesses especially in a year where uh, wholesale became very volatile. So, yeah. I think we're also seeing a trend of startups. I think everyone is, and that might be the fact that Shopify is so huge in Toronto. Um, but I think startups are, are huge in our, um, in our environment right now. And I know so many friends that have started businesses over the pandemic. Um, and I think that we've seen... Toronto designers try to succeed in this market. It's very been very difficult for them. I think, you know, even being at Saks and at Holtz trying to carry um, Canadian brands was sometimes hard. And sometimes, you know, I'm going to say something that's very unpopular, um, but I think they lack the mentorship. You know, I think, you know, major designers have a runway collection or did it. And then they have a re- uh, made to um, or ready to wear collection. And there's a reason, right? Because like you said, Balenciaga earlier, you can't wear the entire look um, as ready to wear. So I think sometimes that mentorship is lost. So I think I'm hoping that we in fashion adopt the tech startup um, kind of format where we have our angel investors who are not only investing their capital, but also their time and expertise. Um, because I think that mentorship is really lacking. Um, and I think that will kind of give us the push and also just changing our mindset for, in, for Canadian designers in terms of like, do they need to be an Erdem that needs to make it in Europe before we accept them as one of our own? And then they want nothing to do with that. I think you nailed it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a, there's absolutely a, a mindset and a culture shift that has to happen too. No, absolutely. And let's talk about um, uh, diversity in fashion as well. I know you both support that. Um, we're seeing a 15% pledge uh, uh, what's happening? Um, where do you think that this will go uh, over the next while? Uh, we you know we've seen Sephora make this announcement on the beauty side. We've seen the Hudson Bay Company for their Hudson's Bay stores make this announcement as well. And there's been plenty of others as well. I'm just going off the top of my head because I wrote the, about those two specifically. Yeah, um, I think that you know Holtz is always. I mean, what's been so interesting, even in the short time that um, we have been in our roles, it's been great and very encouraging to see that. Uh, they are introducing new and uh, diverse offerings and designers all the time. Um, one of my favorite additions to the Holtz lineup for fall is a cold wall. Um, I absolutely love what Samuel Ross, uh, the founder of the cold wall is doing. And I think it's great that um, we're going to have this brand uh, added to uh, the buy in the fall. Um, you know, I think one of my longtime favorites, Hader Ackerman um, is been appointed artistic director of Maison Ullins, which is a knitwear label. And that's also joining the Holtz lineup. Um, and I think that there are, are actually probably 
far more brands than I even fully know about yet um, in the beauty uh, and cosmetics and um, fine jewelry and accessory space um, at Bolts as well. Um, so yeah, I think that there are changes that are happening all the time. Definitely. And just off the top of my head, Amina Mawadi, footwear and handbags. Um, and I think what Holtz Huge. has done and Alexander Weston has done well over the years is the H project and really highlighting um, the, not only the product, but also the culture. I think, she, you know, she's traveled to the, for like Uncrate India, she traveled to India. She immersed herself in the culture. She partnered with Waris Alawalia, who is in, who is of Indian descent. Um, so I think H project is definitely um, something that they've done well. Um, and I think, you know, it's, We'll wait for the official announcement, but I do think it's in in the if they haven't already announced it. But um, mm-hmm. I think we can at least say that internally we have been told that there is some commitment to the fifteen percent plan. I think also just coming back to your point about Amina Mawadi, I mean, you know, just as a small point, maybe a small digression. How incredible to see her rise and trajectory! I think it's so hard to create an it shoe. Um, it just it just doesn't happen that often. It's hard to reinvent as a, a new designer, especially. Yeah, you know, and she's absolutely done that with this pyramidal stiletto heel that has become so identifiable and desirable. It's it's really incredible to see a woman of color um, rise the way that she has. And I think we'll continue to see more of a, a multicultural offering, I think, uh, as the world changes and as, as the consumers embrace it, and in many cases now demand Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And she is also is, she is also available at Bolt Renfrew, which is wonderful. Oh, terrific. Take a pause here for a sec. Do we want to do anything else? Because I know that um, uh, uh, Gurpreeti had a hard stop at 6, well, 646. I think we just have one question here. remaining, right? And that would be the, uh, where do you think fashion will go? We can do that one. Yeah. And we actually kind of, well, we talked about the formal work. Yeah. We almost talked about it already. We, is there anything else we should add? I think there's definitely going to be a return to formality. And within that, I definitely, I think there could be sort of um, a gravitation towards maximalism, but also minimalism. You know, I think that uh, there are so many brands, not so many, but there are some brands that really, um, you know, cater to a group that is looking for beautifully made, minimally designed um uh, kind of a, almost like a stealth wealth offering. I think of the row, I think of Brunella Cuccinelli. Um, you know, I think, I think they sort of cater to uh, a consumer who loves beautiful things, but wants to look a little bit more understated or under the radar. Um, you know, and I, I think that we'll definitely see sort of that camp and then we'll see a camp where, you know, uh, maybe there's going to be more of a focus on um, sort of, artisanal finishes, if you will, whether it's embroidery or fabrication, color, um, silhouette, you know, I, a brand that I've been, I, that I've always loved and, and recently loving again, is Paco Rabanne, um, you know, sort of a, one of the great sort of historic 60s fashion houses, um, you know, really architectural approach and, and just really embodies the space age. You think of Paco Rabanne's use of metal and plastic. And, you know, and I think we're seeing that again with handbag offering, with, um, with separates, with dresses, with these sort of large paillettes, sequins all over the garment. Um, I, I think there's going to be a desire for some really, you know, beautiful um, and maybe in some cases over the top special pieces. 
Yeah. I think people, I think we've had so much time to be more thoughtful and conscious of what we're purchasing. Um, it was just on the news today that credit card debt is at an all-time low for households. Uh-huh. I think people will be buying and like Anjali said, it will be, um, they will be buying large ticket items. I just don't think they'll be buying as much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we've all had the Amazon fatigue where, you know, we're ordering too much from Amazon. Do we need to go to a smaller business? Um, so I think they, people will still spend money. It might just be on less, if ironically. Um, I think you're so right about that. That's, yeah. I think that's definitely the way things are going. Yeah. And there's been a bit of a shift away from fast fashion where we realize that, you know, a lot of people have a lot of stuff. I think in the 1950s, they were saying that, you know, some households were spending like as much as 15% of their gross income on clothing and fashion. It would be primarily for women, but men, men. We were not pulled. My household was not pulled because it would have been much higher. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but now I think they were saying in a more contemporary time, you know, in just before the pandemic, I think households were spending about 3% mm-hmm. of income and had something like eight times the amount of clothing that the households would have had in the There's 1950s. There's something wrong with those economics. I know, you know, one of the driving factors, another driving factor for this role for me was, I know so many girlfriends that have moved, um, you know, worked out of the country, came back, or were just cleaning out their closets. And they were like, why do I have all of this stuff? And they would turn to me, um, because I think me and Andrea are similar in the sense that even if I buy fast fashion, and I need to know that I'm going to wear it a minimum of 10 times. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very rare that I'll buy something just on a whim. Um, and now as a new mom, I, you know, I feel like with kids clothing, especially they just go through it there. It's literally one season. If you can even get through a season with it. Um, so I'm, I'm very conscious of that as well. And I think, um, people just became overwhelmed with how much they had. Um, and yeah. so I think going back, especially since we, you know, it won't be a hundred percent, we're not going to be out and about a hundred percent like we were before. Um, all those events. I know we had a fashion event every night of the week. Um, mm-hmm. So I think as people are wearing less, they will be buying less, but more meaningfully. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, we have sort of, we've lived through it all. We've, Gurpreet and I have been following fashion and working in fashion um, for more than a decade, each of us. So, I mean, by working together, by Gurpreet and I working together and anybody who works with us, you know, they sort of get a combined two decades of experience of really following closely, um, you know, the ins and outs of trends and pricing and the space, which I think is increasingly difficult to navigate. Like it is, it can be really a minefield for a lay person to just, you know, understand what is going to work for me. What's not going to work for me. Is this a good buy? Does this have runway? No pun intended. Does this have, does this purchase have legs, you know? And I think that we can, we can help architect and plan things out, um, you know, and, and, and really help people get the most out of what they're buying. So I would also say uh, very quickly and shameless plug, please follow us at 18 layers on Instagram. That's um, spelled out 18 layers. So. Excellent. And uh, for everyone listening, we'll put that in the bio as well. So uh, we'll put that, uh, make sure that people can Thank follow you. you. I'll make sure I follow you too, because I don't think I do yet on that specific account. So I follow you both individually. So well, thank, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for your support <laughs> always. We very much appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you so much, both of you, for coming on today. It's been really, really interesting. You're both very fashionable. People should definitely come to you for styling. I 
say that. This is not an advertisement. I truly say this uh, with my heart. <laughs> Anjali Patel and uh, Gurpreet Kaur Alawalia, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm Craig Patterson, Editor-in-Chief of Retail Insider, and this has been a segment of the Retail Insider Podcast. Thank you for listening, everyone. Take care and bye for now. And just a gentle reminder, we do have an email newsletter that you can subscribe to that goes out every weekday morning. And it has a link to the Canadian news from around the web that we've curated from the previous day, as well as links to our recently published articles exclusive to Retail Insider. If you go to our website, retail-insider.com, you can find the subscribe area towards the bottom of our main page, and then you can get that email into your inbox every morning. Thank you everyone for listening. And until next time.